Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Tonight, the, uh, the message will um, tell me if we can sort of get the right time up, guys. Um, uh, the message tonight will, um, I think, just really sort of flow in with, um, with uh, where we are in terms of uh, the, the meeting. Uh, first Tuesday is probably the the one the one uh, meeting of the week, uh, or rather of the month, where we, we we sort of give it away to, or give it back to ourselves. We give every meeting away, and uh, this this one really is for believers. We make some assumptions because often on a Sunday we're bringing a, a sense of uh, uh, sometimes uh, not apologising but an apologetic. We sort of give reason for some of the things that we do. Uh, we drill it down to make it you know, very sort of uh, palatable in the sense of understanding. But tonight, there's a few assumptions. Number one, that we're Christians. Number two, that we love God. I think we've shown that. Number three, that we believe the Bible. And number four, that we want to grow in him. And so that's where we're going to go. And uh, Christian mentioned about misspeaking. And um, I, um, I I went to this subject and then I thought, no, 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 that, that's not going to work. Um, but so, I, you know, I thought about some other things, but I, I couldn't get away from this. So, for the next number of minutes, uh, we're going to be talking about the subject of prophecy, of the prophesying church. And uh, there's uh, a, a number of uh, slides that are going to go up. Uh, and uh, you may want to uh, take notes. You, you, if you're like me, you like to take notes. It keeps you absorbed in what we're doing. If we could have the first slide up, that'd be great. And, um, uh, or you may, want to, you, want, you may want to take a, a shot on your... On your uh, on your camera, on your phone, that's fine. Uh, you may want to listen back to it on uh, on the podcast, that's fine. Or if tonight, you know, it's getting a little bit late, your energy levels have gone, you just want to listen and let it wash over you, uh, but want the notes afterwards, and if you'll give me the email, I'll send them to you. Um, so there's numbers of ways of accessing. I've tried to increasingly, I think it really sort of came on the back of Christian in the autumn with this whole thing of trying to make the ministry plain and simple not dumbing down the sense but making sure we communicate it as well as possible so I don't want to keep this to myself I want to give it you and um, and however you want to access that uh, if you'll let me know but if you want an email then if you give me address I'll send it to you so the subject's prophecy it's a huge subject and uh, so I'm going to run through some of it at pace and uh, the slides will help us do that because uh, I want to uh, at the end uh, just to make three responses before we go home. Um, so, um, we understand that, um, I, I'm going to take a bit of a risk tonight because I understand that prophecy can go weird, you know. Um, everything can go weird. Um, and churches can build on an inf- emphasis. They can build on an emphasis where everybody's prophesying, you know. Um, and uh, nobody has a clue what's going off. The emphasis can be deliverance. The emphasis can be Israel. The emphasis can be hyper grace. Uh, the en- emphasis can be extreme uh, prosperity. Uh, no church for me um, uh, thrives on an emphasis. The Bible says we're to teach the whole counsel of God. We're to be radically balanced, actually, not not weirdly unbalanced. So we're radically balanced. So, but the reality is, this church believes, as you've sensed tonight, in the power of the Spirit. It believes in the gifts of the Spirit. And we say it without apology, it believes in prophecy. So I'm going to just share a little bit. And there's three Bible verses to, to lead us in. Um, and uh, the first one is 1 Corinthians 14, 1, where it says, 
follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, the love chapter is the jam in the sandwich of Corinthians 12 and 14. He, and I know we read it at weddings and all sorts, but it's to do with the gifts. It's not love or gifts, it's love and gifts. And the gifts work best when they operate in love. That's what it's teaching. And some folks have gone, well, well, all we need is love. We don't need the gifts anymore. It doesn't say that. He says we need love and the gifts. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Spirit. Listen, especially prophecy. Especially prophecy. So uh, in terms of what we, we understand that some people have a wider understanding of the gifts of the Spirit in the sense that any gifts are grace gifts or any gifts are gift of the Spirit. But in the sense of the gifts in Corinthians 12 and 14 is a ninefold expression of gift, all supernatural in nature. And there we are to, and we are to desire the gifts, especially prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt or don't despise prophecy. And then in Acts 2.17, In the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I want to tell you something. It may be a revelation to you, but we have been in the last days since Acts chapter 2. We have not been in the last days because we've had a six-day war or, or Israel became a state or, you know, there's a few more floods around. We've always been in the last days. We just happen to be in the last days of the last days. And I'm not here to, and neither are you, to second guess when God's going to bring an end to the age of grace. We just need to live in the light of it. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now, for around about a thousand years, God the Holy Spirit from about 500 AD to around 15, 1600 AD went very quiet. It's what we call the dark ages. There was always a remnant of people that would believe God. We can find literature of people that prophesied and spoke in tongues. But then God began to restore back to the church. Um, just the, the, the last autumn, uh, the, the autumn before last, we celebrated the 500th celebration of the Reformation. The last thing lost, the first thing restored. Last thing lost, salvation, first thing restored. We didn't have to go through peace, pain, penance, kissing steps. We are justified by faith. And a German monk called Martin Luther lit a fire in Europe that saw thousands of people get saved. Part of the restoration is God giving the Holy Spirit back to the church. And in 1904-5, there was a revival in Azusa Street Mission Hall in Los Angeles, California, where the seats were benches nailed into oil cans, where the meetings went on for a long time, where people got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, and where today, friends, conservatively, we have 650 million people in the earth with some sort of spirit-filled experience from that church. That's multiplication. And uh, so God's been giving back to his church, and he wants us to enjoy the gifts of the Spirit especially prophecy. Now let me just say, and this is not on the, on the notes, that the gift of prophecy does not mean that you are an Ephesians 4.11 prophet, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And by the way, this church believes in the apostolic and the prophetic. We don't believe the apostolic age is finished. In fact, we just think it's starting. 
The best churches are yet to be planted. Nations need breakthrough. When you realize, friends, that there are 735 million people in Europe and only 2% of them are Jesus followers, we need apostolic prophetic ministry. Three hours on plane to the furthest part of Europe from where we are tonight. It needs apostles to break open the ground and to prophesy with the prophetic gift because the next harvest field, let me tell you, is Europe. It's on God's heart and God's going to do something. So it may be that there'll be a prophet emerge from our kids' church, from our universal. A prophet is distinguished by a number of things. It's distinguished, he, she's distinguished by revelation, demonstration, confrontation. They're sometimes a bit like the evangelist. They're difficult to have around because they keep seeing things that nobody else is seeing. They keep feeling things that nobody else is feeling and they keep hearing things that nobody else is hearing. They're ahead of the game. And so they come into a meeting and they confront. They confront apathy. They confront a lack of passion. They just can't help it. So, so revelation, demonstration, confrontation, intercession, uh, exaltation and, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, exhortation, encouraging the people expectation sorry they have a great expectation of what God wants to do so that's the prophet prophesying is a gift of the spirit it's for the body of Christ it's for all of us to engage in your young men and your young women shall prophesy it's for all of us to engage in and so don't despise prophesying but and don't, as the message says, don't stifle the message, but be eager to prophesy and to receive from it. Now, if we can go to slide two, here's a definition of prophecy. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue to speak to man on behalf of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Don't get freaked out by that word supernatural, which Satan has hijacked. So when I mention supernatural, you're thinking horror, you're thinking freaky, you're thinking that late night film you shouldn't be watching. And you're thinking all those things. You're thinking demons. It is all of that. That's the dark kingdom. But there is a supernatural kingdom of lights. And all it means is it's beyond the natural. So a prophecy is not something that you've sort of uh, done in an English essay. It's something that supernaturally comes often in a moment of inspiration where we speak in the lingua franca of our particular uh, context, which in this context, we've got Scots, we've got Irish, we've got Welsh, but we're going to, it's English. And uh, I mean, I'm still trying to work, don't be surprised if English isn't the language of heaven. You know, I mean, we can be a bit arrogant about it at times. But the language is, is English and we speak to man, to woman, on behalf of God by the Holy Spirit. By the way, tongues and interpretation do not equal prophecy. You know, we've had all, it's, a, it's not equal to prophecy. When you get a revelation of what tongues really is and what interpretation really is, and when you get an understanding of what prophecy is, you don't, you don't join them together. They are distinguishable. Prophecy exalts God. He that speaks in unknown tongues speaks to God. Prophecy speaks to man. It's all there. It's just that sometimes our traditions have taken us somewhere where they weren't meant to, to go. So that's what it is. That's what it's meant to be. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Slide three, the purpose of prophecy. It's found in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse three. And it's three things. 
strengthening or, uh, or, or uh, encouraging, uh, edifying rather, it may have edifying in your Bible, encouraging and comforting. Or as one of my old Bible college lecturers told me, it's to build up, it's to stir up, and it's to cheer up. That's what prophet, if prophecy's knocking you down, there's something wrong. I'm not saying it's not going to be challenging, but it will always have the impact on your spirit of strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. That's what it's meant to do. Now then, next slide, Chris. Practical observations. Practical observations. Number one, there's a human, human element. God uses i never cease to be amazed why god could use anybody any human because he's always running the risk of using us he's always he's always running the risk of us taking it to ourselves he's always running the risk of people getting proud but god has chosen to use the human element if you've got a derbyshire accent you're going to prophesy in the derbyshire accent okay in fact it's going to be weird if you go to home counties oh hallelujah you know that's how they'll prophesy if they live in Wickmansworth or all them posh places around the M25. That's how they talk. But if you're Nottingham, if you're Derby, you're going to prophesy that way. And uh, it's, there's a human element to it. God's going to give you words supernaturally. Not going to be words perhaps beyond your framework, but they will speak into people's lives. Secondly, it's not primarily for personal guidance. I say not primarily. There was a weird teaching going around numbers of years ago about, about inquiring after the prophet. And some folks went weird on it. Thus says the Lord, Anna, thou shalt move with Kev to Birmingham tomorrow and thou shalt find a new job. And people were doing it, you know. It's not primarily, don't, that wasn't a prophecy, Anna, okay. But <laughs> it's not primarily, but often it confirms guidance. Let me give you a couple of stories. Now I'm going to take these to myself I'm just an idiot in prophecy like everybody else. I'm trying. I want to do more. I want to move in more revelation knowledge. And I wish I had more of it. But here's a couple of stories. A couple of years ago, I was in the garden. It was springtime. And, you know, I was laughing the other week because I was talking about my horticultural skills. And we got one of the top horticulturalists in the country, in the congregation, Mike Baldwin. Lectures at Broomfield College. I mean, you know, if you want to know anything about flowers, talk to Mike. Um, so... Um, I'm in the garden, I'm, I'm, I'm digging up some weeds and I can only, God spoke to me. He says, um, he says, I've got a word for Andrew Smith and I'm not, Andrew's confessed this from a platform. So he says, I'm going to, I'm uprooting to place him in a different place for greater fruitfulness. I says, well, am I going to share that? He says, I'll tell you. That was it. I'm in the garden, I'm not in church. We've not had music. I'm not worshipping the Lord. I'm in the garden. Anyway, a few months later, I'm in a national leadership team meeting one Monday morning, and sometimes we'll have a devotion the first of the day, we'll pray and move on, and that's it. This particular day, somebody brought a devotion, and John Partington was still just before the end of his leadership. He says, let's just reach out to God, and all I can say is, heaven came, boom. There were people speaking, and God says, now's the time to share. So I went round to Andrew and said, Andrew, I've got a word. And by the way, I'll come to this later. Weigh it, judge it, bin it. You know, I said, well, I've got a word. And I said, I had this picture of uh, an uprooting of a, a, a plant and being placed somewhere else and uh, for greater fruitfulness. And he says, you what? You know, anyway, unbeknown to me, he'd been the pastor of a church for 25 years and God was speaking to him about moving to Glasgow. Uh, the east end of Glasgow, which our dear sister's from. 
you know, and uh, there was a church there that needed repurposing. So it wasn't me giving guidance. It was God, the Holy Spirit, confirming the word and all that was taking place. He sent me a text later. It was that faithful thing. Can you put in text what you said this morning? Oh, you know. Anyway, I tried. He was very moved by it. The upshot was that a few months later, he resigned after 25 years of being the pastor in one church, moved to this church that needed repurposing. And one of the things that happened that several years later, someone had called him out in a meeting and prophesied that he would know greater fruitfulness. That was the whole thing that collided. The church was 30, was in a message. Now I've got 120. Well, that's a bit of fruit, isn't it? And uh, they're happy as Larry, just round the corner from Celtic Football Club. He's a support. How oh, anybody can support a Catholic club, I don't know. But round the corner. And uh, there, there we go. And uh, so he's absolute, and he's, and, and he's a bridgehead into the city. He's wanted to minister in Glasgow for years. Uh, last year, out of, not, out of prayer and fasting last year, I was still finishing off at Man's. Chester, but I entered into the 21 day of prayer and fasting. I says to Miriam, I've got a, I says to our, uh, Sharon, I've got a word for our Miriam. After the prayer and fasting season, how many of you know it's more difficult to share with your immediate family than, and, uh, so, no, it weren't that Sunday. Anyway, we got into February, and uh, one day I just, I said, Miriam, Johnny, I'm, I'm going to cut it to the quick. I said, I've got a word for you. And, uh, I says, if you don't mind me sharing it, I says, it's dad, but can it, bin it, judge it, weigh it, dismiss it. And uh, here it was in my, in my, in my book. And uh, Christians quoted Isaiah 43 uh, a little bit lately. And it came out of that. And so I've got a picture of you as a volcano. And Miriam had been on a journey, an intercessory journey. And I says, there's fires that are deep within you. And I realized that they were, they were telling me that they were, they were navigating things. What do we do? Where's we go? What are we ministering? Where's, where's? And I says, there's a fire. And I says, it's about to sort of pour out. It's going to pour out and spill out and touch other people. I says, I'll leave it with you. Well, she was working part-time as a young mum, uh, as a mum of young children for the civil service. Uh, that was sort of February, March time. Within a few months, the senior leadership of Audacious Church had come and said, Miriam, we want you to come on staff part-time. Uh, we want you to start August the 1st. We want you to take the, uh, uh, the remit for building out, uh, repurposing our small groups. And so she had the joy of resigning from the civil service and the volcano began to pour out. And uh, two weeks before Christmas, she got a bouquet of flowers from Glenn and, Bar- uh, and Sophia Barrett um, saying thank you. So if you get that, you know that you've made a good start and you're making a difference, don't you? So it works. Prophecy. Prophecy. And then eight, eight and a half years ago, I'm praying to God because I was invited to be part of the newly reformed leadership team of Assemblies of God. And I'm the sort of person that can create leads in my life because I can always think of 20 people that can do it better. And I'm going through them in my mind. I wonder why John Partington's asked me. I said, God, I need a word. And I'm reading a Christian magazine from North America, an article by a guy I don't even think believes in prophecy, but it prophesied to me. And he quoted W.E. Sangster, a great post-war Methodist preacher about being a voice to a denomination. I'll read a bit to you. He says, so this is, this is the, pro- I mean, Normally, I come into the office, but interestingly, this morning, I was in my living room. I can tell you to it now. I'm kneeling before God. I read this. God says, this is it. This is it. And here's a little bit of it. I feel a, comp- a commission, a compulsion to work under God for the revival of this branch of his church. Careless of my own indifferent uh, reputation and indifferent to the comments of older and jealous men. Oh, I've had a few of them. 
And if I'm to serve God in this way, I must no longer shrink from the task, but do it. I hate the criticism I shall invoke. Oh, what a prophecy. And the painful chatter of people, obscurity, and the service of simple people is to my taste. But the will of God is my task. The church is painfully in need of leaders. I wait to hear a voice and none comes. Bewildered and unbelieving, that's me. I hear the voice of God saying, I want to sound a note through you. And God says, come on, Phil, get on with it. And over the last two and a half years, I've made a decision on October the 16th, 2016. I have come across criticism and evoked painful chatter like you would not believe. And Christian and Julie particularly because of their AOG journey are aware of that. But in all of that, God gave me a revelation of two anchor points. That means out of all of that next week, we've got three people going for interview for the new national leader. And we're going to get to another season. One of the things, one of the things that's kept me on track is prophecy. Prophecy. <clears throat> so a human element, not primarily used for guys, men and women. So if you've had some weird teaching about only men can prophesy, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It's to be done in an, uh, yeah, it's, it's to be done in an orderly fashion. So. If you're on the end of a prophecy and somebody's screeching and knocking chairs over and kicking and going, walk off, you know. People get excited, but it's to be done in an orderly fashion. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. It's, it's not an excuse for ridiculous, extreme behaviour. Um, it's, um, it's open to judgment. That's why I say if you receive a personal word of prophecy, and prophecy, of course, can be corporate to the church and personal to a person, you have to give right for people to judge it, to weigh it, and where necessary to can it. Because we're all, none of us are infallible, we're fallible, and sometimes we can get it wrong. And if it's not built up, stirred up, and cheered up, then you have every right to push it aside. On occasions, it takes a long time to fulfill. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But there are people here that have got prophetic words over their life that hasn't yet come to fulfillment, and you need to stir up the season. And bring, bringing God's purpose and alignment with all that he wants to do in your lives. It will never undermine the Logos word because the Logos word is the word of prophecy. So if somebody gives you a prophecy that is at odds with the Bible, it is not a prophecy. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to get in angst about it. You just dismiss it. Prophecy will never go contrary to the revealed word of God. It, 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 it bolsters what the word has said. It is not an additional revelation to what the word has said. And faith must be operative. The Bible says in Romans 12, 6, that you are to prophesy according to your faith. And there's a sense where when Christian was praying tonight, he was prophesying according to his faith on the subject of multiplication. Now, some of you want to prophesy, but every time you get there, you won't make the next step. So you're never going to prophesy without the step of faith. And then some of you want to prophesy, but it's beyond where you are in faith. You know, let's believe for four million to get saved by next Sunday. You know, is there anybody here got faith for that? But can we believe for 40? We probably could. Can we believe for 400 over the year? We probably could. You see, it's according to our faith. And as God encourages, so faith builds and builds and builds. Now then, briefly, tests of prophecy. 
test of prophecies. Uh, on the next slide, thank you. <clears throat> so, please hear this. If you're on the end of a prophecy, it's not like you've got a clipboard thinking, yeah, God glorifying, tick. Uh, spoken in love, tick. You know, you're never going to receive, but the general spirit of, is it God glorifying? Is it in line with the word of God? Is it spoken in love? Boy, I've heard some harsh prophecies. Woo! You know, is it spoken? Does it build up? Because that's what prophecy is meant to do. Is the person in control of themselves? Is it done with a submissive spirit? In other words, if there's a prophecy that's given in your small group, can it be submitted to Christian's leadership? And if you say, oh no, don't tell Christian, then don't receive the prophecy. Okay? Because it all comes under the authority of the leadership. If there are people trying to operate in an unsubmissive, dishonouring way, then don't receive the channel, the tests. And then the operation of prophecy. The operation of prophecy. Um, next, next slide, thanks. Um, here's some ways we can position ourselves for the gift of prophecy. Number one, be a worshipper. Worshipper is not just singing songs. Worship, worship opens us up to the Spirit of God. And uh, you can never, don't be afraid of opening yourself up to God. God will, God only wants to bless. God only wants to pour in. God only wants to cleanse. God only wants to build up. You don't have to worry about anything wrong coming in when you open yourself up to the worship of God. Number two, have a love for his word because sometimes the word can be the prophetic words. In other words, it's the logos, but then it becomes the rhema, a specific word for a specific situation. The more you read the word personally, the more likely you are to receive the word as prophecy to yourselves. The more you read the word personally, the more inclined you are to share that word with others in a specific situation. So I, 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 I operate in a... And, and it gives us prophetic intentionality. Psalm 71 is the prophetic word over my life and season. And in certain verses there, it says that I've known you since I was young and now I'm old and grey. Don't call, don't call it white, okay? That, that, oh, oh. But now I'm old and grey. I'm sharing the truths of God with the next generation. It's part of the prophetic mandate. It's a word to my heart. So... Be a worshipper, have a love for the word, be full of the spirit, not only baptised in the spirit, speaking in tongues, that gateway that opens up the fullness of the spirit to our lives, but be being filled with the spirit. Some folks say, oh yeah, I spoke in tongues 20 years ago. Well, so what? No wonder you're not prophesying now because you need 20 years later today to be filled with the spirit. You never know what's going to come. You never know what email's going to come through, what reference you've got to say, what telephone call you've got to make, what person you've got to dash to. And so we need to be being filled with the Spirit and then in fellowship with others. I've already alluded to that. This is not a lone ranger ministry where you can create your prophetic ministry, filled pie prophetic ministries. Uh, the first question I would expect someone to ask is, so what eldership do you submit that ministry to? And if the answer is, I've had them on the phone, I want to come to your church and prophesy, I want to come and bring the word of the Lord, I want to speak into people. What eldership do you submit? Oh, I don't, I'm just, I'm just itinerant. No, thanks. 
Now, what if something goes wrong? What if they say something inappropriately? What if they behave in a manner that's not fitting? To, who do we go to? And I, I'm saying this is a, a, a value of Arena Church. We believe there is not a ministry in the world that should not find an eldership that it submits its ministry to, particularly itinerant, evangelistic, prophetic ministry. It's safe for them and it's safe for the people that they're ministering to. So a few more things on um, on uh, that whole issue of, of uh, moving into the prophetic, the operation of the prophetic. So the next slide is just trying to answer to us, so how does the prophetic word come, Phil? How, how does it come? You know, is there sort of like a, a box falling from heaven with a letter in it saying, they are, I'm just going to share that with Julie. No, it comes to our spirit that's made alive in God when we come to know him. And so here's a few ways that the prophetic word can come. An urging, a prompting, a burden, an overwhelming thought that is not just a normal thought. Um, a picture. I mean, I'm generally not a picture person, but often in prophecy, I'll get a picture that just describes something. I'm praying for a young guy, young pastor down in the office last week. I got a picture for him. A prophetic word just to send him on his way, to build him up. To a sentence, a theme, a quickening. So there, that's how prophecy can come. And uh, we, need to, we need to release faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We need, I've put there, don't second guess. Don't second guess the Spirit. Now, the Spirit of God's very gracious because you may be in a first Tuesday meeting thinking you've got a prophetic word. Uh, ooh, uh, ooh, should I, uh, ooh, ooh. And then somebody else in the group or whatever shares the prophetic word that was very similar to what you had. All that God's saying is, next time you feel like that, it's prophecy. Step in. Take the step of faith. So it's all right for you, but I'm a type of person, you know. So it's not all right for me, but I'm just determined that I'm going to press into the more of God. There's a few more on the next slide, Chris. So be a, be a, next, be released in word and song. I'm going to come back to the musicians in a moment, but worship is worship at its best is prophetic. Worship. That's why over the history of the church, there have been so many problems with worship bands. Because the enemy is forever contesting for the prophetic spirit in the church. So you need to pray for the worship teams across arena. That God will bless them, he'll put a hedge of protection around them, and he'll minister to them. But I prophesy right now into every worshipper here that there is more that you are called to go into deeper waters I'm prophesying that God said to some of you, get your feet off the ground and start to swim in what God wants to do. And as you go there, we'll follow. So it's vital. It's absolutely vital. When Elisha began to prophesy in two kings, he got a harpist. I don't think it's going to fit in Arena Church somehow. Used to be one in Empire Street all all them years ago. I can remember the woman used to play the harp. Maybe not. Yeah, Mike, you'd love it, you know. <laughs> but as Elisha prophesied, the musician played. You read 1 Chronicles 29 and talk about how the musicians were called by the quality of their gift and they were urged to prophesy, prophesy. And so I, I, just, I just speak over our teams. I thank God for them. 
imagine, I know we can have, you know, fancy stuff on the, you know, on with Matt Redman or whatever it is nowadays and no music and somehow get away with it. I understand all of that. But imagine Arena Church every Sunday this year without live music. It didn't hurt us. It didn't hurt us. So I pray over the worship team. I prophesy over you the more of God for you to swim in those deep waters and to take us to new places in the Lord. So be really, don't be afraid of the simplicity of the message. I'll come back to that in a minute. Be bold, not arrogant, not shouting, but be bold. You might be one of these very quietly spoken people, but you bring a boldness to it. Have a pure motive. Be a channel for God to, to, to use you. And by the way, don't forget to finish. You ever listen to a prophecy where the person's... It's now... And God understands. It only needs some godly elder to get our arm around them and say, you know what? You know, a minute before you finish, you should have finished. But to start and finish, like preachers, you know, finally, you know, can be a dangerous word. Now then, a response to prophecy. Remember Thessalonians says that we are to not treat prophecy with contempt. Here's some of the ways that prophecy can be treated with contempt. I don't believe that anybody in arena is guilty of this, but it's just a reminder. Laughing, denouncing, criticizing, mocking, questioning, dismissing, obstructing, intimidating. Prophecy from him. Prophecy from her. And... uh, And the way that it expresses itself is in cynicism, which is another word for unbelief, as is scepticism, as is pessimism. In other words, we're so bound by fear, we can never step into faith. And some Christians like to hold on to fear more than work into faith. So they dismiss anything that God is saying. Anything God's... Have an open and ready heart. In the book of Haggai, an Old Testament book of two chapters, a word came the simple word was this are you ready for it thus says the lord i am with you for 13 years they completely ignored the project of building the temple it's all turned on that because they got a fresh impetus that god was with them i am with you it was a challenging word stop looking after your own priorities and start to put the house first And it was an incredible word because they said, what's the point of completing this temple? It's never going to be as good as Solomon's until God says the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the glory of the former. I said it from a platform in arena just last week. I'm going to say it again. The best is still in front of us, friends. God is always into the latter glory. He's always into the greater than the former. So many churches get dogged by the past. And thank God that we took time and Christian did it brilliantly on Sunday of honouring. And I put Pat's picture on Twitter. I got loads of people, bump all over, dum, 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 you know, because we celebrated 90 years. But thank God, Arena Church is not called Beth Shan Tabernacle. It's not called Ilkeston Christian Centre meeting at Arena, thus says the Lord. It is called Arena Church. It's a prophetic name. The worship is not the same as 90 years ago. The ministry is not the same as 90 years ago. If he'd have done breaking a bread like that 90 years ago, he'd have been expelled from the ministry. People getting up without a suit and tie on 
everybody miserable, doom and gloom. Who goes to break in a bread? But things have changed and shifted. And the greatest days for Arena Church are not behind us. They're in front of us. It's an incredible word. We prophesy into the future all that God wants to do. In Jeremiah 6 and verse 10, the people treated prophecy with contempt. And it says God was angry. God was angry. Let's not drown out the Nile word. But let's hear it, exercise it, and respond to it. I think I've got the slide nine, Chris, if I can go there. It's just a reminder to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And the final one is number 10. And there's just a little quote. Here it is. Arena Church, a prophetic people, not a weird people. I hope you don't. I don't think you see weirdness in the leadership. Um, we're never going to build a prevailing church on weirdness. We really aren't. But you see passion. You see hopefully spirituality. You see a rootedness in the word, and you see a desire for us to be truly people of the spirit. So our prophetic people have a clear vision, are motivated by a current word, multiply, and are experiencing an increasing burden I've raced through it um, and if you got all those notes I was almost going to say can I have 20 quid for me because that was that was almost impossible but if you got them all down well done if you want to listen to it again please do so and I'll repeat myself from the beginning if you want the notes via email let me know and I'll send them to you so if the band can come and join me as we come to the close of the night I've got three responses, if that's okay. And I'm just encouraging you as the night hour goes to nine o'clock, just to stay with me for a few more moments. And then I'm going to turn back to Christian. Prophecy. Prophecy.